ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned in to episode 34, Teddy Roosevelt Show. First day of November, we got a freshy, fresh month. Get your popcorn ready, folks. Um, so, I've got Blue Canaries on. Again, Blue, are you there? I'm here, Teddy. Thank you for having me back and giving me a voice. Oh my goodness, Blue. I almost had to record an emergency podcast last night because I was so fired up. Um flipping from Fox News to CNN to MSNBC to hear we are living in the in a world where we cannot even agree on the facts of the case and the name calling. I felt like just saying everyone time out. All of you time out, go in the corner um, on CNN and MSNBC for sure. So we talked a little bit. Obviously, this eight page affidavit came out with the FBI, which raises more questions than answers. Um, do you want to kick it off with a Blue Canary's um, opening statement? Uh, sure. So um, it, it's going exactly the way um, I believe that they want it to go. Um, it, everything that's now coming out, um, it, what I was referring to with the um, the whole gay thing um, is 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 exactly where everybody where they wanted everybody to go. I'm I'm gonna I'm actually gonna use some of the CNN reports as a um, as an example. This came out yesterday, uh, 10 o'clock last night on CNN Politics, and they uh, immediately um, denied you know, all the conspiracy theories. But some things that they said in that was very telling. And this is where I was thinking that they were going with it. It says, those pushing the gay lover theory have pointed out to a handful of purported pieces of evidence based on falsehoods and twisted storylines. They say that the pop, uh, I think it's the pape. The pape was in his underwear when the police arrived at the scene, but the local TV station that originally reported that has since corrected its story and removed that assertion. I saw it. I saw uh, it. I went to the original. Just, just so you know, real quick, I went right. to the original. It was a Portland, not exactly, uh, you know, the most conservative area, Portland writer, and they they don't have anything in the underwear. Just at the bottom, there's a tag that says correction. The uh, earlier edition of this story, earlier version was wrong about the clothes the suspects were wearing. So they didn't even mention underwear. Um, and the guy's like, because he said, oh, my sources say the pap was in his underwear. And then they said, oh, now my sources say he wasn't. Who are your sources, dude? It, right. it, it, how did we get that? That's the whole thing. Is It's not a conspiracy theory that everyone just heard the details. and are like, oh, they were in their underwear fighting. We heard they were both in their underwear from some mainstream media. Hold on. There's a bunch of police. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll put it okay, on Okay. So it said, despite the lack of evidence, it took less than 24 hours after the attack for the gay lover theory to take root in right-wing social media circles. There have been at least 19,000 tweets mentioning the words Pelosi and gay since the day of the attack, garnering a total of more than 700,000 likes, according to CNN analysis. Okay, but here, here we go. This is where they're going to start posting and pointing out people. That evening, Raheem Kassam, a former Breitbart writer and co-host of C. Bannon's podcast, tweeted, they're still pretending it wasn't Paul Pelosi's gay lover. 
which earned over 1,000 retweets. Other conservatives, here you go, Donald Trump Jr., Sebastian Gorka, Dinesh D'Souza, followed suit over the next few days. uh, Representative Clay Higgins, a Louisiana GOP who sits on the House Homeland Security Committee, tweeted a photo of Nancy Pelosi and referred to DePape as a male prostitute before deleting his tweet. So here we go. We've, We've named everybody that they're going after next. They're going to keep this. They're going to have it for their notes, and this is what they do. Um, and then, of course, they talk about Musk. Musk, Elon, helped elevate the conspiracy to a much wider audience. On Sunday morning, the billionaire who completed his purchase of the social media network responded to the tweet and says there might be a tiny possibility that uh, might there is a tiny possibility there might be more to this story than meets the eye. They then go down and say he deleted his tweet around 2 p.m. later that day, but by then it had already raked up more than 28,000 retweets and 100,000 likes. Okay. That's so, funny because we can say – yeah, t- go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. This is where they're going. This Okay, now listen to how – they take all of that, and then they move into the the suspect, the pop, the papes' own social media and blog postings show that he himself was steeped in conspiracy theories in the months and years before the attack, from musings about QAnon to anti-Semitic rants um, to claims of the looming takeover by the global elite. And they go on to talk about how quickly he was changed um, into believing these non-truths by the conservatives. This is what this was about. This will allow them to dictate what the rules are for Twitter. This is going to allow them to do these things. You have to be able to recognize what they're doing so that you don't become wrapped up into um, wrapped up into their plans. I mean, um, and, and this is this is a warning I'm trying to give to everybody because um, it, you know it, it's going to be soon that and, and um, it's, it's it's ironic that the San Francisco FBI office on their website they have um like a psa think before you tweet think before you post it it has something to do with posting information because you're responsible for what you write all these things are tied in together yeah and they're not in the yeah i totally agree Mm -hmm. you're you're it's a it's brilliant analysis um and isn't it funny how when the guy went to go, uh, and, and, and let's not get it, let, let's make one thing clear. David DePoppy is mentally ill, psychotic, and, and, and probably on drugs. Michael Schellenberger mm-hmm. went over there, showed the video, there's Black Lives Matter, Ukraine, we stand against hate. So that, that's the thing, is this guy was mentally deranged. He said something like angels, you know, he came back, he thought he was Jesus, um, Gypsy said. 
And then he said there was something like angels uh, came to him. It was via AI or something. So we're not having a conversation about mental health or getting dangerous people off the street. Or here's the one thing I wanted to mention. When the Kavanaugh assassination attempt in June, that guy, Nicholas Rofsky, was 26, showed no signs of psychosis. That was political fanaticism. And he went over there with zip ties to kill a Supreme Court justice. New York Times put it on page A20. But they've had Pelosi on the front page three days in a row, the Paul Pelosi thing on the front page. So they buried that. And no one said tone down the political uh, rhetoric when Madonna said, I often fantasize about blowing up the White House. When Kathy Griffin's showing a decapitated, severed head. I mean, that's the whole thing. And then right. the fact they're using conspiracy theories post-COVID when people are dying every day. Um, Mike Zimmer's right. son. Uh, and people are getting sick um, multiple times. They're getting COVID again. Rachel Walensky, Biden, Fauci, they all promise, oh, the vaccine will protect you. Paxlovid will protect you. Then you get rebounds. I mean, so the conspiracy right. theory... Thing. We just have to be like Carrie Lake, like we were talking last night, and just shove it back in their face right. and be like, "If it, I'll put it this way, if it actually happened, because everyone in America almost now has a ring doorbell. So you know the right. Pelosi's, like, I, I forget who said they went over there to serve a warrant, and neither of them were there, and the place was totally armed. You know, they're worth $100 right. million. Dollars. No one who, who who's married to the third most powerful person in the United States um, who's worth $100 million, is sitting in an unguarded house. You're having armed security and alarms and everything. So the fact right. here's the deal. If the footage existed showing them breaking in or the body cam footage to prove the story, you better believe we would all see it. They could get rid of the conspiracy theories right now, but all they're doing um, with the affidavit it, they're they're just creating more questions. The story doesn't add up. Just just the um right the fact that what what they're yeah. what they're doing is they're suppressing uh, the same thing that they've done with everybody, all the other stories and everything else. Oh, you were wrong about that. So shut your mouth and let us tell you what we need to tell you. This is what they do. This is their this is their oper- You know their. This is their, you know, their operating procedures. This is what they do. And uh, instead of us, um, you know, like I said, I, I kind of knew because when I first saw all the reports and how people started um, writing, you know, um, things about him being gay, I knew, I just, I knew that had something to do with why You're right. No, you took you, place. You, yeah, you, you said it. And then Glenn Greenwald, one of the bravest journalists out there, wrote a huge article on Friday documenting, and, and I'm going to quote him, the consortium of state and corporate power that is aggressively imposing a new and escalated regime of censorship online and increasingly offline. And they're just using new tactics to further accumulate the power to marginalize, silence, and even punish those who dissent from the pronouncements of institutions of authority, which is a eloquent summary of what you're telling everybody right Right. now. So if they, and if they, okay. So just the list of names that I talked about, um, Donald Trump jr. 
um, Dinesh. I mean, he's already had his day in jail because of speech. We all know that. Yep. Um, but Rahim, okay, well, you don't have Bannon. You don't have Donald Trump. You don't have all the big players on the major um on the major social media anymore, except for, you know, Trump pulling out, you know, true social. But what they're going to – this is what they're they're planning because they knew Donald Trump was fixing to probably come back to Twitter. They knew Elon was going to be um, reinstating people that have loud voices, and they didn't want that to happen. Um, you know, the – the thing that people need to understand is, and there can be these events um, like this, and they're not fake, but they are completely orchestrated by CIA or, you know, in conjunction with some of these other organizations to 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 bring about what they want to do. I mean, the CIA created... Um, Animal Farm. They, they were the ones behind the motion picture cartoon that everybody saw. Um, I don't remember when it came out, but it's, you know, the little pig. and. Oh, yeah. Okay. They were behind the production of that years, I mean, decades ago. Why? Because they changed the ending. The ending wasn't that. It wasn't like the book. They change it so that um, the communism in the end wasn't really that bad after all. These are all propaganda. These are all mind control. These are all things that they've used. Okay, so, but um, some interesting things that I found out about that FBI office, um, that one uh, October 1st, Robert Tripp was announced as the new person in charge of the San Francisco office um, in the field office in San Francisco. It's because on October 3rd, a large story broke, and when the story broke that this uh, agent had been um, found guilty of me, I'm pulling it up right now, um, when the story broke, well, you've already got a new leader in charge. That's usually what happens when they have some kind of corruption going on in one of the agencies and they're going to start fresh. Yes, this is an old story, but if the media comes, the new person can say, that's happened in the past. I'm the new person in charge. And Robert Tripp came from the D.C. office where he was an inspector in the inspector general's office. And from what I understand, He's basically the one that investigates the FBI. So he's like kind of like what you have with um, the police organizations when you have internal affairs. That's what he was involved with for a a year or two in D.C. So that's a little bit of uh, background about what was happening at the – okay, so the – Former FBI agent based out of the Bureau's San Francisco office was found guilty Monday of taking bribes from a lawyer linked to an Armenian organized crime unit in exchange for handing over sensitive law enforcement um, information. 
he, Babak Bermond, he was an FBI agent from 1999 to 2019. He took roughly $150,000 in cash, hotel stays, escorts, and even a Ducati. So wow. the, F- the FBI is now trying to redeem itself still with these cases. Um, but it, it, that story, somehow, I had to find that, you know. And so you had a whole, re- you know, uh, new new um, head person over at the FBI. He began October 1st. That story broke October 4th, but he was actually charged on October 3rd. So they know, knew it was coming, and they needed to get somebody new in there that wasn't affiliated with that guy. Um, and so then that brings you down to um, the agent that it's investigating this story, the DePop story. And uh, from the affidavit, it shows that she was only, and I do not know why they would put such a junior agent. Um, yeah, was she 2019, Stephanie Minor? Right. I do not know why they would put such a junior agent in charge of a, a major, I mean, this is probably going to be one of the biggest stories we've heard of them investigating an attempted murder in, in decades. I don't remember anybody else that's, you know, um, been investigating. Well, yeah, but we didn't, it's not going to be to the sensational, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That you, that you hear with this one, you know. But they did. So she, that's one of the big things that really stood off, stood up um, in the in the affidavit that I read. That's one of the first things is because they select these people. Um, um, oh yeah, uh, I mean, that's to just, do these she, she's her yeah her specialty is domestic terrorism. She's based out of the San Francisco office. She's but she was the a affidavit. social worker. She was a social worker before this. She was. Uh, she became an agent in 2019. So she's only had three years of experience. I mean, that's that's really not a long time at all. And no. honest, honestly, you can you can tell in the way that she wrote the affidavit that um, she didn't make sure certain statements match up with other statements um it, it makes don't. no sense no it makes no sense i, I have right. a question so i heard since the fbi is getting involved even though he's being arraigned today in san francisco court for the um i think their da is brooke jenkins for those things since the fbi is involved it's not a normal thing as far as releasing you know, if if it was just a, a a normal case, as far as releasing the booking photo, the body cam footage, everything I heard since the FBI is involved, um, they might not release any of it. Well, and, and and you're absolutely right. Okay, so based on my experience here in Austin, Texas, when and they they have him in custody in San Francisco. In order to have him in custody, you have to have some kind of way to hold him. You can't just hold him without putting charges on him. I mean, you can do 24 to 48-hour holds in certain circumstances. 
you know, but unless you have, you, you got to let them go. So I find it interesting that the FBI put out the affidavit charging him. However, he's still in, um, I did find him on the records last night in San Francisco County Jail. And normally they take people that they're going to federally charge and put them in a federal holding tank. There's two separate places for those people. They don't usually put them in in the county jail. Now, they could. They, I, I, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know. But what happens is when you're involved with the FBI in a case, let's say the FBI wants a raid done at this house. Local officers go in, do the raid, and then the FBI takes over from there. And then after that, the local agency has no no record of no paper trail. So you, you could have been working on a case with, uh, you could be a local agent uh, working on a big drug case for, you know, <laughs> years that you could. And, you know, you get back to the office and you're going to interview this guy and the FBI comes in and goes, we're going to charge him federally. That, that's it. You're done. There's no more paperwork. There's no more. The, the paper trail gets lost there. Um, so there are different, and I actually, somebody was talking to me and told me that's why the Capitol Police were also there. It's because no one will be able to use the um, Freedom of Information because it's a joint investigation. Um, I did review that, and this is the first time that on their website this is the first time the Capitol Police have done a joint investigation with the FBI and another agency. So they um, don't specifically say why, but the only thing I could tell was after January 6th, things changed. And I don't know, I, I, I just don't know what, uh, in what ways yet, but it gave... Um, the Capitol Police, and it looks like the FBI agents, um, more power to look into those that they call extremists, domestic terrorists, or those buzzwords. So um, that's that's what I found there. So, but if you want to, we can go over the affidavit if and um, yeah, look at what we let's let's do it. We, um, okay. To where it really kicks off, I think, is page three of that PDF, Facts Supporting Probable Cause, mm -hmm. which it does not make psychological sense at all, his actions, what happened, or whatever. So he called 911, said there's a male in his home, and the male was going to wait for his wife. He further conveyed he does not know who the male is. The male said his name is David. If you're breaking into someone's house, you don't say, hi, I'm David. I'm here to... Uh, to do what to do whatever um how did how did he know his name you don't know if a burglar breaks into your house oh that's blank so then the cops arrived the, the san francisco pd they knock well, on it, the door okay go ahead it says the male said his name is david so that's so weird so what he shouted but when it in i the heard background? the recording it said i mean so 
I don't know if he was saying it in the background and then Pelosi just repeated it, but um And remember uh, the original thing said he, he was a friend. Right, right. That's and, missing you know, from this. Just just in um my opinion, that that's not um that's not the, the spot that, I mean, that is inconsistent. It's inconsistent in the reports, and they'll just brush that off. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, oh, of course they are. I mean, they're going to yeah. say this is the new narrative. This is right. the FBI. This is the right. official narrative. Right. And, it, and so, I mean, it, yeah. mm-hmm. remember, okay, so they're saying we're conspiracy theorists if um, we mentioned they were in, one of them was in their underwear or both, but they pushed that in the beginning. Then Politico said, oh, an unidentified person, a third person opened the door. In this affidavit, it says they knocked on the door. Then it goes, when the door was open, doesn't say by who, Pelosi and DePepe were both holding a hammer with one hand, and DePap had his other hand holding on the Pelosi's forearm. Pelosi greeted the officers. So they're in the – okay, so what, they were in a struggle? Then he goes, hold on, stop. Let me open the door and let the and, and, and see who's there. Then they opened right. it. In, and then the original thing, the cops said he heard the pappy say, where's Nancy, where's Nancy? But meanwhile, he had been there for a while. And then the other thing that says he's mentally ill is when he first got there, he goes, oh, I'm tired from carrying a backpack the whole way over here. I'm just going to zip tie you so I can get some sleep. Like no one, right. you, you 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 don't have time. You just broke in. You got you got you got moments to say. So if that if that, there's so many question marks. Right. And and, and just just the timing. And then he greets the officers. The pap says everything's good. The officers then ask Pelosi and the pap to drop the hammer. If Pelosi opened the door, which you don't think the pappy would, the, his initial reaction should be, there he is, there he is. You don't go back into the struggle with them. You're going behind the police and be like, that guy said he wanted to kill my wife or whatever happens. Right. Right. Um, so then they said he pulled the hammer from his hand, Pelosi's hand to Pappy and swung the hammer, striking him in the head. Officers immediately went inside. So what? They were outside. He opens the door, they're outside, and then he goes back to struggling with a hammer, and they're just sitting there watching until he strikes them. Paul mm-hmm. Pelosi, I mean, they damn well know who whose house it was and who it was, you know, who was Pelosi versus who was the other guy. Right, right. And, um, right. And so, and then it goes, keep going. It says, while officers were distraining the pap, Pelosi appeared to be unconscious on the ground. Um, this is important right here. Officers removed a cell phone. That's important. Um, and an ide- unidentified card from his right shirt pocket. Well, why is it unidentified? <laughs> I mean, that's her. Is it a inex- Hallmark card, a credit card, uh, what kind of card? Inex- a card? That's ATC? her inexperience in writing this because. Um, there should be when you're, that's an inventory of a, of a suspect, so it, it should have more details on that. And the other thing is a cell phone. 
because initially I found what looked like it was the um, the booking sheet on him, and then it disappeared. And they keep saying he's been charged with all these things. And then um, at the end, in the very beginning, it said he was charged with destruction of an electronic device. And I'm like, well, okay. So he's trying to get rid of evidence. So he probably broke Pelosi's phone or he broke his phone or something. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, what, that, that's what that's about. Um, but here it actually says that they recovered a phone from his. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, they have his phone. So um, whether or not he still gets that charge on him or why did they – they have to have a reason why they put that initial charge on him. And I could probably go through my notes and find where I where I saw that um, but I, but I don't know where it's at right now. But so yeah, he. So then, so, so that's important to note. And then you said we were talking about this yesterday in the best podcast that never got recorded in Teddy Roosevelt history. Um, that he was interviewed by the officer Ariane Starks, SFPD officer, in the ambulance during transport to Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. So, um, you said that never happens, and they and they're like, "Oh my God, he's in the ICU. He's almost, you know, he 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 almost died. He he was almost killed." Well, how is he in any condition to give a statement? You said that's really bizarre. Okay, so he was. Un- they said just above. They said he was unconscious. He, you would not. You would not. That. Admission. Of he magically anything. regained conscious. Yeah, he magically he, regained conscious in minutes, and then they're like, "Hey, tell us what happened." Well, even if he did, okay, let's just say that it was a brief. His state of his state of mind at that point, from being unconscious, would not. That is not a time that you you, you talk to um, a victim to ask them what happened. So that's where it all comes from. That where's. Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? That statement was released early that morning, and um, it was all over. That's the same statement that they used in January 6th. But if this guy was on the hospital, and now he's got, you know, the recovery could be a long time. So he obviously sustained a pretty good hit to the head, blow to the head. You'd not interview him. As a police officer, you would not be in the back of an ambulance with them going, what ha-, you know, you, you just wouldn't. I mean, I've just no. never, never heard of that um, because there's, there's certain protocols and certain ways that you do things. And one thing is, you, you know, whether or not they're on drugs or not. All of these things are factors because once you get them to the hospital, you know, that's why officers are – sitting down at the hospitals forever and ever with these suspects and even victims trying to get witness statements because they can't initially on the scene. Um, so they have to go down to the hospital and wait for the, you know, even the even for them to, um, you know, to look at DePape. He had to probably undergo a mental health evaluation for that's why he was at the hospital. Um, and then they bring him in for a statement. 
unless he's going to be admitted and such. But the story was Pelosi got to the hospital and then he had to go to emergency surgery. So if they got a statement, <laughs> um, uh, doesn't add up. That's the thing. They're raising more questions. They're raising more right. questions than answers. And they could they could right. end it real quick. They could end it real quick. Show me. The right. security, everyone has a ring doorbell. Show me some footage. Show me one scintilla of evidence that this transpired, that this actually happened. And you can end it right now. If you listen to CNN and MSNBC last night, you would think Trump broke in. They were blaming oh, yeah. it on Trump and Trump's rhetoric. And it sort of ties into what you're the big picture of, of what they're trying to accomplish here. Um, but then you read the um, uh Page five, uh, number 15, the Mirandized um, interview. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole break her kneecaps. Um, so then she'd have to be wheeled into Congress and show other members of Congress there's consequences to your actions. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry I'm laughing. I know that's a horrible thing. No, it's so thing, ridiculous. But, no, I, I, I mean, I everyone has of... sympathy if it happens, um, you know, but we haven't heard of his I've lived long enough. Yeah, I live long enough to know that the people that what people say is um, it's just so telling. But if you you know, and I've studied linguistics for for years because I love speech, I love language, and I love to see where it all comes from and everything like that. Break somebody in the kneecaps or or hit somebody in the kneecaps. that is that is a very old thing to say. I mean, that's like mob early twenties. Oh, yeah. You know, that's oh, yeah. mob thirties, forties. That's that's what they say. That's the mob. I mean, that's that's what they used, and you see it even in the movies with the mobsters. But that's not a term that um, many people would use. I mean, you know, it, it, these days everybody uses guns, you know. Was he just so nice that he wanted, <laughs> you know, maybe he wasn't a violent person. Maybe that's why he took the hammer. But to use that, those terms, um, it's just really rather, uh, rather. Here's um, another red, yeah, here's here's another red flag. Um, the cops said when they opened the door or whoever this, whoever opened the door, that's a huge, I mean, what, he's going to open the door and then resume back to struggling? But they said, they heard him say, where's Nancy? But in the affidavit of 15B, it says he broke through the house through a glass door. Um, Pelosi was in bed and appeared to, surprised by the pappy. He told uh, Paul to wake up and told Pelosi he was looking for Nancy. And Pelosi responded that she was not present. So the where's Nancy thing, and they don't have it in quotes, um, but of course it echoes January 6th. He's saying, they're saying that conversation already uh, uh, happened. Pelosi said he's going to, she's not going to be back for several days. Um, So when did the where's Nancy, when when did the cop hear him? Because they've already established that she's not there and she's not going to be back, but somehow he wouldn't let him go upstairs or to the elevator, but he let him go to the bathroom. Right. To make a 911 call where he magically had a second phone charging because everyone charges their phone in the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Water. And then he said, I want to tie up um, 
Paul Papap said he wanted to tie him up so he could go to sleep because he was tired from having to carry a backpack to the residence. And then he started taking twist ties out of his pocket so he could restrain them. Yeah. Zip ties? Yeah. This says twist ties. When I hear twist ties, I think of the things that you put around a garbage bag. Yeah, right. Not Zip ties are a little bit different than twist ties. Right. If you're trying to tie somebody up with twist ties, you can maybe put their tied two fingers together. So, and also, the thing that really stood out to me um, was number 12, the witness statement. Um, because the witness statement, there was a witness, um, San Francisco PD Officer Colby Wilms, and I'm just going to put prayer on him right now because <laughs> he needs it. Um, he was able to, inter- or it, he, a, he, interviewed a witness, but whoever that witness number one was, who saw an individual in all black carrying a large black bag on his back walking near the Pelosi residence where witness one was parked. So there was somebody parked there. Witness one was working private security at an address nearby. Witness one then heard what sounded like banging on either a door or car and then heard the sirens within a minute or two. So, a minute or two. This all took place in a minute or two. Wow. Struggle, everything, and then the cops, that's the biggest thing. The cops didn't respond, but it was like three minutes after the call. So the call would have had been placed really early. Um, and and so the the whole timeline, and this is this is what I'm saying about um, an inexperienced. Now it could be like I said, her inexperience in writing affidavits because I know officers that have written affidavits that I mean there's holes in the story. The good experienced ones, you you won't see holes like that. You won't. I mean, they're they're very good, and and after many years of experience, you you get to know what um, what's needed, and you you know you have others re, you know reread your your statements to make sure you can't poke holes in that story, you know, or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. You're telling you're telling the facts, but everybody knows you can write the narrative so that it all consistently lines up. And not have a witness that says, you know, he heard the sirens a minute or two later because either he didn't get the time right or, you know what I'm saying? And if he's doing personal security, was he just, you see somebody walking down the street with black and you, you don't, it was a backpack and walking towards the Pelosi's house, you're not going to say anything? And then you hear Come banging on. on the door, and then the sirens in a minute. You, you're not going to go investigate or walk over and see. Yeah, you're 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 totally right. Um, right. And, and just going back to doing, the previous. Go, go who was he doing security for? I mean, none of that is is listed in that. Um, and to me, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> we need to put some protection and pray over those, because that witness that was doing security and that officer that took the report from the witness. To me, it's, it seems like, um, you know, if you don't have a witness. <laughs> How about this? The, the security guard says it was a big black bag 
Um, the pappy said, oh, I'm so tired from carrying this backpack. I want to just tie you up and go to, and take a little and take, take a nap. But then they said when they searched the backpack, they found a roll of tape, white rope, one hammer, one pair of rubber and cloth gloves, and, of course, a journal, among other things. Among other things, what were That's the it. other things? Why aren't you this listing is, everything? Right, right. And then the That's, journal, of course, we're going to find out. The journal had, I mean. The manifesto. You know. Oh, sure. That's, yeah, that's where the manifest is, and that'll it's come out come out Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, we had a list of people, and right, I think oh, that's yeah. already starting to trickle down the line. Is that, and then we're going to hear more because that the FBI completely controls, and and most other agencies do too, but local agencies they have. Local laws, and this is what I've always warned people about. You do not want to get rid of local police. You don't, period. I mean, there's just – if we get rid of the local police and we get rid of the local governments, there goes the republic. I mean, because we have no – it's gone. I mean, it's it's absolutely gone. So local police, what happens is you go to city council and you go – well, we're not hearing these things in time. We're not doing this. Okay, so they, you know, just like they do with the contracts with the police. And then they put things in place. You have to release this body cam video within 48 hours. You have to do this within, because the people still have a say. Now the cops might get upset. The people might not. There's a compromise on what happens between your local agency and the people, because the people still pay for them. So the people can still have a say whether or not they're good or bad, just like all these defund movements. Yeah, they're bad. But, I mean, because first, it's kind of crazy. All these anti-police people, what did they want in the beginning? Oh, we want cops to wear body cams. Uh, You know, so we know, we know. Well, then the cops start wearing body cams. And then they start recording stuff, and, and you're not able to sue them because you're actually in the wrong when you provoke them or whatever, or you hit a cop, you know. And so then, you know, now all the anti-police are, we want to get rid of body cams. <laughs> but, but at the local level, you still have a say, and you can still, you know, go through the process. We're talking federal police here. We're talking the feds, and you don't. You don't. So um, let's go back to the the the, the Pappy uh, <clears throat> statement has a has a has a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So he goes, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna hey Pelosi, I'm tired and I'm gonna tie you up." And then he starts taking twist ties from his pocket. That's hilarious. Twist ties instead of zip ties. And then you figured someone would proof it. And then he moved to the other uh, moved towards another part of the house, but he stopped them. And then together they went back to the bedroom. Then they're talking to each other. Pelosi goes into the bathroom, grabs the phone, calls 911. And then DePap says, well, I felt like his actions compelled him to respond and compelled me to respond. And there's no way police were going to forget about the phone call. No shit. A 911 call. But he said, he's your he's my friend. His name is David. So at some point I didn't make that up. Somebody put that out there. Um, or I think it was actually on the dispatcher call that, that that's online, and he's saying he was a friend. 
and his name was David. You don't call an intruder a friend and David. Um, how would you know the name? And then the pappy's like, um, he didn't leave after the call. This is the craziest part. Because much like the American founding fathers with the British, he was fighting against tyranny without the option of surrender. And he reiterated this state sentiment elsewhere in the interview. So then they both go downstairs to the front door. The police arrive and knock on the door. Pelosi ran over and opened it. And then, so he opens it, the cops are there. Then Pelosi grabs the hammer, which was into Pappy's hand. And then he just planned, I'm not going to surrender and would, I, I, he would go through Pelosi. Here's the deal. There's no way an 82-year-old, or he's 84, to Pappy's 42, there's no way... If, if this intruder says, I'm going to tie you up, I want to, I'm going to wait here for your wife, um, you're not here. Oh, let's, and then he calls 911. He's like, oh, now I knew it was serious, but let's calmly walk down. And then what Pelosi, op- or he opens the door and then goes back to struggling over the hammer. There's just no way that makes logical sense. If this oh, uh- really happened, you're you're going behind the cops. You're going, there he is, there he is. You don't go, oh, I'm going to be a man and take care of this myself. Well, the police, uh, to me, it really makes the police look bad, just saying. Because oh, yeah. uh, if you're responding to a house and you know whose house that is, I mean, it's got to be flagged in the system somehow. I, it, it has oh, sure. to be. This isn't just a random house you're going to. And you have a questionable call coming through. Um, dispatch, and you have to get there quickly because of you know, even if it's a check welfare, you're you're still when you when you get to that house, it, you should have officers parked probably a little bit behind down the street, and then you'll have officers that approach the house, um, and when somebody opened the door. And they see somebody behind him holding a hammer. The police should have immediately told, gave instructions. Period. There's no. That's that's where they're at fault. The police should have immediately go. So, um, but the the police should have immediately tried to take him as you know to safety because they they have to. They've been trying to think very quickly. In, in those situations, and to identify one as a – and as soon as if Pelosi went back to the guy to try to grab the hammer, they should have pulled him back. You know what I'm saying? It's it just the whole thing, like you said. Now, we don't know the distances and everything like that. Like I said, this this report is um, – her inexperience in, in report writing – um, and they literally have templates. So when you're looking at that, they they go into the computer, and you've got tons of affidavits in there, and they're examples. And you literally go in there, and you can like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But you can clearly see an experienced officer wouldn't need that. But you can clearly tell that just the inconsistencies in, in some of the reporting that um, and how she's vague on some things but really detailed on others, that's inexperience in writing those affidavits. So, 
it just raises more flags and they're just dismissing anyone who has the audacity to question the timeline of the events, the fact that one report contradicts the other, the fact that they threw out the underwear thing and then they retracted. They're like, oh, no, no, only one reporter. It was one of the main point, shocking points when you first heard of the story, like, huh, they're in their underwear. And the thing is, the AP, I mean, I, I, I have the AP News app just to look in bewilderment at, at some of the stuff they're saying, but they change the headlines and move paragraphs around and delete stuff all the time. It's Orwellian, you know, like the Ministry of Information or whatever, where they just burn the old thing, you know, where they're throwing the papers into the into the into the furnace, into the burning furnace. Right. And uh, so, so they put that out there. Do you think they put that out there initially as bait, so then they could say, "Oh, they're anti-LGBTQ," or because I, I actually I, heard I, on I, CNN. That, listen to this on CNN last night. They go, um, "It was Jake Tapper," and he goes, "Oh, here's another conspiracy theory. A woman said." Um, I forget where she was, that there were teachers letting the kids dress up as furries um, in the classroom. And the one um, uh, uh, they, they let them put a litter box in the in the bathroom. And right. she had said she had said that. And Jake Tapper's like, oh, that's a totally unfounded conspiracy theory. There's never been any litter box found in a high school or, or you know, school bathroom in the United States. This just shows they're anti-trans. That's what he interpreted it as, that that, that right. woman and then anyone repeating it, they're anti-trans. So it just feeds into exactly what you're saying. Right. And, um, it, you know, they let this run, all the misinformation, and whoever initially put out the underwear story knew what they were doing. I, I, I just believe that the whole thing, do I believe there was an attack? Yes. Do I believe the guy showed up at his house? Yes. I do believe but I do also believe that, um, and I know for a fact that there have been uh, CIA operations that mimic these things too, this, the same things. And it's in order to change the minds, or they're very good at mind control, and they're very good at changing um, people's thoughts about something in, in a very quick manner. They know what to do. And because they put that out, they didn't correct anything. Now, when was the affidavit written? The 31st. The 31st. But somebody had a cop. But the interviews was earlier. I mean, there's some information that they could have released and corrected. They didn't. They let this run all weekend. So that they could have the Twitter counts, how many tweets were put out about Pelosi and gays. You see, that uh, yep, it, it went that far because then they had a really good story on Monday about how conservatives um, bashed this man. That oh, you know, I I was even listening to, and I know we don't listen to Jimmy Kimmel, um, but. The Jimmy Kimmel thing that was that he said it it was just so telling. I mean, because he's supposed to be a comedian, right? In his monologue, and he literally brings up. I'll see if I can find it real quick. Um, he literally brings up the fact that conservatives were 
he brings up Donald um, uh, Trump Jr., and he says that this is literally what he tweeted while a man was having surgery in the hospital. And the people go, oh, like, like it's so bad. And he goes, yeah, I know, right? And he goes, how heartless. And so then he turns it around and makes a joke about um, Junior. But it, so they were already ready for this. I mean, it's, it's all played out, I think, the way that they wanted it to. Well, it works on both sides, right? Because the, the left um, automatically it confirms their, you know, there were suspicions about the right, even though they're just taking it as face value. This guy is a QAnon climate denier, January 6th supporter, even though there's all kinds of evidence that he was the exact opposite. He was a Berkeley radical, mentally ill, doing Ibogaine. Um, the psychedelic drug, the plant, um, he was living in a dilapidated van. Then magically, he's living in the Richmond across the bay in a garage for two years. Well, how come all these, how come, how come the neighbors, you know, what, uh, do you think the neighbors are lying about seeing them or living with them or, you know, living next I, to them I, and have any problems? Well, the lady that he was with, Gypsy, was incarcerated earlier this year, I believe it was. May when she was actually sentenced, May or June. Um, so the house has been should have been vacant, and that's another thing that I was wondering because he could have just been going to the property and squatting. Um, but the kids that she had said he hasn't been around them in years, and one said, "Well, I ran into him a few months back," but. Do you see what I'm saying? The that whole thing, and it, it's just really, um, you, you know. And if he was homeless, that explains it that he's just been in different places and living in different places um, um, around the Bay Area. But the house, I, I, I don't think he was at that house. I don't think he's been living at that house because that's that house was in her name. No, you think um, someone would go over there and interview the the owner of the house, right? And you think, or they jail. have his name, and that's that's where I go back to. They want that property too. I still think that it's about, uh, you know, and they get him out of the way, and you know, um, they'll they'll probably foreclose that property and or city will and. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they didn't suspect that a news person would go to that property and see those signs and stuff. It doesn't look like it's completely condemned. It does look like people are living there um, because of the signs and different things. I mean, the grass isn't, like, overgrown terribly. You know, it doesn't look like that kind of a place. So I I don't know. Um, was he – oh, let me tell you about this. Just, just for the people that like to um, – Think about some. By the way, my phone's. I've been on the phone. My my phone's running out of juice, so we got like ten minutes left. Okay, I've got one more thing I want to bring up. Go. We we got time. Okay. So. Okay. Let me. I'll find it if you want to mention something else. Um, I'll find it really quick. It's the FBI has a. It's just it it's crazy, um, and this is out of the San Francisco office. 
if you go to their main website, if anybody wants to also look, uh, the main, uh, here it is, um, what do they have there? They have several groups and different things that they do at the San Francisco office, but one was really interesting to me and kind of stood out. Because I, I, I think that people still don't want to believe that this kind of stuff happens. Um, and to me, it's it's just very, it's quite obvious to me that the FBI could have had contact with this man before. That We haven't heard that. I mean, and nor do I... Uh, know if we'll ever find out because like I said their their information is um, (laughs) they don't have to tell you if they don't want to let's see it's not TSA building Um, let's see it's they have a it's not victim services building or victim services. Let's. I had the website saved last night, but I can't find it now. Um, here it is about us. Maybe that's here. They haven't. The first thing on their their website that I found. Uh, I'm just going to try to go off my memory of what I found last night. Is um, a community outreach, the FBI where they are working with members of the homeless and other people in the area um, to help better their lives and different things. You know, they've got the whole little story. I mean, is it possible that, and, and you know, that they could have known this guy, met this guy, paid this guy? I mean, it's quite possible. Oh, sure. It, you know, it, could he have been doing this for a while under their radar? Yeah, I mean, look at how many agents were involved with January 6th. There's paid informants. There's confidential informants. There's people that they that that they use to go. They literally have been caught putting people on Twitter to bait people. Look at the Whitmer thing. Oh yeah. They embedded they embedded agents into this, you know, or or actually informants into this group to to plot the kidnapping. And if 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 they wouldn't have been in there with the FBI, you know, it, it, those people would have never got you know convicted. It, it's how about Ray Epps? How about Ray Epps? Like exactly, they just disappeared him. Right. He's like. So, so could make, this be yeah, the case? Yeah. We haven't seen any photos of him since 2013. There's nothing on this guy. So he would be the perfect, the perfect one to use in a situation like that. You know, you get some. This happens all the time, and I don't know that people understand how how frequently it happens, even in the local departments. 
you have, you know, narcotics unit go out and let's say, okay, they bust this guy, you know, going down the road and he's got drugs in his car. They bring him back to the office. Do you want to flip? Do you want to work your case off? And if they say yes, okay, then that case against them sits over to the side. And all departments are different, but some, uh, you know, you work off four cases, you tell me four good leads, and this case goes away against you. And that's what happens. That person never gets charged if they give the officers enough good information on three or four other cases. And so that number one person can go through his life without having any job convictions, uh, you know, or, or crimes and charges on them. Now, multiply that times 10 or 100 or whatever exponential level you want to go to, and then you got the FBI that can do the same thing. Wow. And not just that. Not just that, but they have witness protection programs that they can put you in in the end. Uh, the local agents don't have that um, that luxury to say, okay, so you know, while you're working this case off, um, you turn somebody in, and somebody finds out that you're a snitch. You're on your own. You got to call nine one one. But the FBI, with their confidential informants or their unidentified, I don't. They have all kinds of little acronyms for all the people that they use. The intercept is the best source for looking up the the old FBI. Or it's not actually old. It's the most recent documents of the FBI in their CI programs. So they they infiltrate these groups, or they, you know, they use them to get what they want, and then that person goes off, and they they don't have a record. Uh, I did not know how widely it was used until probably about. Uh, about 10, 12 years ago, and I knew somebody that worked in the narcotics department, and they're like, oh, yeah, we use CIs all the time. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, okay. So these people, you know, they just go on and um, they get a bigger fish, and it, it makes for a good thing. And unless you have a CI that's working and you're putting them in danger, you know, to me there's there's a whole lot of bad things that goes on with that, but but at the FBI – they have whole manuals written on this. So they're still using it. It goes back to the COINTEL pro days. They did it in the 60s and 70s with the Democrats. Now they're doing it to the Republicans. And and that's what it is, COINTEL pro. So could this have been a, one of those cases? I do believe there's a great possibility I'm not saying, you know, I'm not using any of the buzzwords that will get me sued for a trillion dollars, but I'm just saying that this is, it's very quite possible, and it lines up with everything that um, I've seen written in even manuals. So I don't care who was involved in the story. If you just read through the initial, or if you watched the initial press conference, read through the FBI affidavit, you're like, your bullshit detector's going, eh, 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 eh. Uh-huh. like something doesn't add up from interviewing a guy who was unconscious with a skull fracture who supposedly had a serious surgery. Hey, tell us what happened uh, tonight. Woo, woo, woo. As they're taking uh-huh. him to the thing to who opened the door. The pappy said, hey, Pelosi opened the door. And then they go back to wrestling. No, 
uh, over the hammer? No, man. You're letting the cops in. And, and, and the bottom line is if there was footage, which there absolutely 100% should be, people worth $100 bucks, the security, whatever, the, the, the ring doorbells, the body cam footage, they would release that immediately and squelch the quote-unquote conspiracy theories, and they'd use it as a political tool. Instead, this is like a test case. Hey, um, let's just, you know, we'll, we'll fabricate this whole story. The media will run with it. We'll call them all conspiracy theories. And who's going to, who's going to call, who's going to, who's going to, who's the checks and balances? The people like right. us, you know, independent right. journalists. It's Tucker is like, and Jesse Waters. Mm-hmm. And they're all coming under fire because they took the early bait that they set out for them. This thing's going to yeah. run through the election cycle. Everybody knows it. This happened right before the election cycle, but it also happened the day after Elon took over Twitter, which I still believe there's a big connection there, too, because they oh, yeah. want to be able to put the rules in place. And the first person that messed up with the rules, the big person, was Elon. So they, you know. Man, I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate bait. The owner and CEO of Twitter, he's like, hey, to Hillary, how about this? That's why right. I wonder about Elon. That's Is right. he just a globalist I, corporate puppet who they just threw it at, like, oh, well, now we have to have some sort of misinformation rules because even the CEO took the bait. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's still people getting kicked off. W.H. Uh, Grandpa, he got um, – <laughs> if you know what that stands for, you would giggle too. I giggle every time I see his name. Um, he was WHG on Twitter. Uh, well, it's well hung, Grandpa. But WH Grandpa <laughs> on Twitter, he got booted yesterday with forty thousand followers, and he's back on True Social. He has that as a, a separate account, but that's the only other account he's on, and that's where I'm at right now because that's the only account that I have. I'm not on. I, um, they locked me out. Friday night after my long thread on Pelosi, so um, unbelievable, that's, unbelievable. That's, that's right, right. So that's that's where we're at, and they they are absolutely not responding to any of my requests to get back on, um, or asking for specifics as to what Twitter rule did I break. There's just no response anymore. So I, I don't think that anybody's getting back on to Twitter until after the election cycle, which that's what they want. This is how they control it. Yep. Yeah. I, so, I, I'm, I'm still permanently suspended. I was going to do another appeal thinking he took over, and he's, I just heard he's got, like, 50 Tesla engineers working, like, 12-hour days for the next seven days to check, evaluate the code and tell them what's going on. Um, I, I, I have to hope with Elon, but I, 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 you just don't know. I, I just I don't know who I can trust. That's the thing is this gaslighting, if you just look from a psychological perspective, what they're doing, you know, don't believe your eyes, don't believe your ears. We're going to tell you, so you ultimately get demoralized, you get frustrated, you start questioning your own sanity. Um, and, and then sometimes you just get so frustrated, you're just like, I can't, I, I, I'm just not even going to do this. It's, it's, it's going crazy. And then for... Joe Sixpack or whatever, who maybe he sees what's going on, is he going to think, well, I got a mortgage, a job, I'm not going to 
risk everything, not knowing what's coming down. And it's like, we have to speak up now. Everyone needs to use Carrie Lake as a template because right. they're gaslighting us and lying us and calling us conspiracy theorists. And all I say is just COVID. Every single right. thing that got you kicked off, shamed, ostracized, demeaned about COVID is, is right every day. Right. And um, I, I'm going to do a COVID-exclusive uh, podcast here in the next three. Folks, you're tuned in to the November 1st edition of the Teddy Roosevelt Show with special, special guest, the brilliant Blue Canaries. You can find her on Truth Social, at Blue Canaries. And what is this, episode 34, November 1st? That's right. Thanks, Teddy, for giving me a voice. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and wealth of information. And um, I I just, the, the worst thing to me is there's no evidence. There's nothing. To me, if you're not asking questions, you're just not being an informed, you're, you're just not being a plugged-in citizen because it doesn't make sense. The timing of everything with the midterms, Elon taking it over, the zip ties, the where's Nancy, and it's all just perfectly, and the media's just taken the bait. They knew the media, all these journalists under 30, because they got rid of, remember, they did buyouts for every all the the older journalists. So now it's just shamers. It's it's just journalism is dead. Um, as far as mainstream, everything's independent that you that that that's that's worth anything. That's right. So that's right. again, look at the Kavanaugh thing. They totally ignored that. This guy had a gun, zip ties, and he wasn't mentally ill. He didn't say angels gave him some AI program. No, he 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 was a political fanatic, like these climate fanatics who are throwing a paint on the you know throwing tomato juice on these paintings, and you see they're fanatics. They are deranged. It's a cult. And that's what they're feeding into now. I'm worried, you know, I don't know. It's just on both sides they took the bait, what they wanted, Um, even though there's a ton of holes. Well, if anybody has any – I'm I'm going to just say this one last thing. If anybody has any information that they would like to share or add – or even correct, uh, I am open to somebody um, giving me some new information or helping correct something that I may have said. Uh, please leave it in the comments on Teddy's Substack, and I'll be um, looking through those. And otherwise, you can contact me. I echo me. that, folks. Hey, Blue, I got to tell you, you just broke the record for most appearances on the Teddy Roosevelt Show. You were tied with <laughs> That's Brad That's awesome, Will. Teddy. I'm honored. Hail uh, favorite <laughs> Favorite uh, pinch hit guest host on on Friday when Todd and Don go on vacation. So Brad had been on three times. You just came on four times. So you just you have the new record. And awesome. and commenting. Thanks. I was gonna say you you put a comment there. So folks, TeddyBroosevelt.substack.com, um, and and Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and Apple Podcasts, of course. I don't know how long I've got a ton of stuff I'm doing. I just got to Florida. But I will uh, definitely get this podcast out soon. Is there anything else you want to share with the listening audience? No. I appreciate it, Teddy. Thank you. Thank you, Blue. Have a wonderful day. We'll we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Take care. Bye.